The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Andrew said, my name is John, and that is true. I am. I'm also part of the church staff. If I haven't met you, I'd love to meet you today. Like you, um, this week has been uh, a scary week in our country. Um, Ever since I heard about the two shootings, and then, of course, following that was the shootings that took place downtown Dallas, I started praying for the chief of police in Dallas. His name is David Brown. And uh, praying for him because I have friends and members of our church who are in law enforcement and know uh, that when they go out every single day, they are, their families are wondering if they'll come home that day. And if you think that there is no racism in our country, then you are deceived. Racism has been a part of the United States from the beginning. And it is everywhere the devil is at work. Racism says, I'm better than you because I'm a different race. I was born a different color, and I'm, therefore I'm superior over you. You can live under my boot. I will keep you down. I will despise you, hate you, reject you, look down upon you, think you're less of a human being than I am. And that's the voice of racism. And so our country is just exploding right now trying to find answers What do we do about this problem in our country? I think most Americans see that, that yes, this is true. There is a problem, and we've got to overcome it. What do we do? Well, if politicians could solve this problem, you'd think after 200 years they would have. And so I don't know that That is going to be the answer for our country. I'm putting my hope in the gospel. And here's the reason why. Racism says all of that, what I just said, and and the gospel says the exact opposite. The exact opposite of that. That I am no better than you, and in fact... My correct role and position in life is to serve you and to love you because we have a common problem called sin. And when we stand before God, there isn't one that's higher over here and one that's lower. We are brothers and sisters. We stand together And we value the fact that our Father, our Heavenly Father, created black and white and brown and every other color there is. God has created all of that for, and he called it good and said it's beautiful and that he loves that. And so where is this coming from? I believe it's coming from the God of this age. The Bible says that the the God of this age is the devil. And so therefore he loves racism. Why does he love it so much? Because it's the exact opposite of God's message of the gospel. And so everywhere he's at work, you're going to see this. And so what do we do as Christians? Well, we know for a fact that we have power over the devil. That we, in the end, we win. And we know that we don't wrestle against 
flesh and blood, people, humans, other human beings. That's not our problem. That's not our enemy. We wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. That's our battlefield. And so prayer and the word is our weapon. And so we must do that, but we must do more than that. We must fight for social justice for our brothers and sisters who are being treated as the devil would treat them. Abused, cast aside, thrown down as trash. And so the Christian, it's the hour for the Christian to rise up and say, I love you because of the gospel. Problem is not racism per se, but evil and sin. Sinful people, evil people, have it in their mind to murder. And that doesn't matter if you wear a badge or if you don't. There are evil, corrupt people everywhere you find people. It's a humanity problem. So I would like for us this morning to pause for prayer. What if you could stand up again, just briefly. And we don't, we don't hardly ever do this, but I would like you to just hold hands this morning. I know you may be holding a stranger's hand, and that may be uncomfortable to you, but I'd like to hold hands. And I want us to pray for... I think of all the moms who are without sons today. And they're grieving. And I think about all the good policemen that love people. And what a challenge they face. And especially for Officer Brown, who's trying to lead the whole thing. So let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we feel so helpless, Lord. We feel so small. And we look at this big problem in our country and we don't know what to do. But this morning at least, Lord, we gather in hands in unity and we pray and we ask for your grace and your mercy to abound. That where sin rises up, grace would rise even higher. And love would overcome even more than death. And that where demons rage through the streets, causing chaos and death, the angels of God would be unleashed as well to push back demonic forces that attack our country. Lord, give Officer Brown wisdom, great wisdom to know how to lead and our president and our leaders, God, help them, humble them, have them have a right mind to walk towards bringing unity in our country. And I pray for us, Canyon Ridge, Lord, that you would help us stand for justice and righteousness and peace. And Lord, I think of what I'm going to share today from your word. I pray that you would give me the right words to say. That my words would be like a powerful hammer. Crushing open the hard bark that goes around hearts. I pray it would be effective in producing an army of soldiers for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, and go ahead and be seated. Well, I told you last week that we're going to start spiritual boot camp today. And so we are. If I didn't think that this was the most important thing that I would be saying today, then I wouldn't be saying this. All right? If I felt like there was something going on in our country or situation we were facing that was more important than what I had planned 
I would switch and go with that. But I believe so wholeheartedly in what I'm saying today. And I know pastors always say that, you know, this is the most important message. This is the most important verse of the Bible. Always, they all are. Right, right, right. I understand that. But this really is. You've got to believe me this time. This is, we are at a crossroads. We are at a crossroads in our church. And really, only two choices that I can see that we have for us at Canyon Ridge. And if we go one way, I believe that God will bless us. And if we go another way, I believe that we will be going backwards. And what makes this even more crucial this morning is the fact that you already know what I'm going to say. And some of you have heard this so many times that it's just become white noise. And so in the minute I say what we're going to talk about, your mind will just check out, oh yeah, okay, heard that. Go on daydreaming about your day, tonight, tomorrow, and miss what I have to say. So I demand, I demand in the name of Jesus that you listen to me today. By the authority that is placed on me as one of our leaders and because of the word of God, I demand that you listen and you allow what I have to say to take an important role in your life and in your heart. This series is called Uncommon. And so it's common expectations of Christians that are very uncommon. And this particular one, it feels like there's this uh, massive dragon and I'm, I'm going up against a dragon. And here's this huge dragon and I've got nothing. I mean, I got no weapons. I got nothing. And I'm just like, oh God, please do something because I can't defeat this thing. No matter what I do, it can't make anything change. God has to come. He has to show up. He has to do something for any of this to change. And that's my hope today is that God would. And I've been praying and pleading with him all week long that he would today speak to us about this important thing. This is a basic requirement. So for Christians, this is, this is a basic expectation that God has of you. When he looks at your life, he wants to see this. And if you're not a Christian today and you're just sitting in here with us and you're looking at this is great because now you can see that if you choose to become a Christian and follow Christ, this is what he expects of you. Now you can see it. But that's not the scary part. The scary part is that after today... You will have no excuse. None. And if you disregard this, if you don't take this to heart, then you'll stand before the Lord and he will remind you of this talk today. And he'll say, John laid it out for you and you turned your back on it. So... In one sense, I'm ruining you. (laughs) Anybody wants to leave, go ahead. These are minimum requirements. Every Christian needs to master these skills. And the one that we're covering today is the biggest. We're going after the biggest one first. This is is the, the massive monster. This is foundational training. You know, and nobody really gets excited about their foundation, but as a, as a regular part of our church, we're going to go back to the foundation a lot because foundation is so critically important. If you don't have a good foundation, then you have no future. Foundation is everything. And I know it's not sexy and it's not exciting. I mean, nobody goes up to their house and goes, 
Look at my foundation. <laughs> Some friends of ours bought a new home, beautiful home, invited us over to see their home. They didn't say one thing about the foundation. <laughs> Never came up. And yet, without it, you have nothing. It's so important. So we will always be coming back to that. And so if you're a seasoned Christian, your attitude should be, okay, what can you take, speak to me today, Lord, about this? I know these things, but speak to me fresh and anew. So if you have a bad foundation as a Christian, a foundation of faith, then your Christianity is going to be all messed up. It's not going to work for you. It isn't going to be right. And you will be eternally frustrated as a Christian because there's something wrong with your foundation. So we're going to get that right today. We started off last week by looking at 1 Timothy 4 and verse 7. And I'll repeat it to you again today. It says this, Discipline yourself for the purpose of... Of godliness. That Christians are supposed to discipline themselves to become godly. That God expects us to be godly people. Like God. Godliness of like quality and character. And God expects every single Christian, every single one, to discipline themselves towards godliness. And so this whole series is designed specifically to teach you how to do that. How does one discipline themselves for godliness? Today is step one, very first step. And I'm calling this uncommon Bible study. Uncommon Bible study. I think most Christians view Bible study as something optional. Something that you, it's sort of a use it as you need it concept. You know, get out your Bible, dust it off, right? It's use it when you're just really desperate. I mean, things are really bad. It's horrible. Where's the Bible? Where's the Bible? There were some people, actually, not too long ago, like three or four weeks ago, I was in this house, and they had the white Bible, the big one, the big family white Bible right in their entryway. I'm like, wow, that's a huge Bible. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's the Bible. (laughs) But our staff, we we reread this little excerpt from the George Barna Research Group. And, And the Barna Research Group researched a broad spectrum of Christianity and came up with these statistics almost like like a doctor would take a sampling of your blood to figure out what's what's going on in your life. This is what this is, a sampling of Christians. And this is what they found. They found that 18% of you read your Bible every day. 18%. Now, how many of you military veterans who are here today, you were in the military, and uh, let's just come up with a scenario where your commander says to you, I'm going to send you and your, your group of people, I'm going to give you 100 soldiers, you're going to grow up, you're going to attack the Taliban on this hill over here, but 82 of your guys don't have any guns. 18 of them have weapons. But 82 of them have no weapon of any kind. Good luck. How many of you that own your own company would be excited to find out that you just hired 100 people to work for your company and 82 of them know absolutely nothing? You got to you got a majority of your workforce completely untrained. 18 are ready to work. 82, no clue. Are you okay with that? Does that sound okay? 
What if you came up with this brand new product line for your business and you're going you're gonna to sell this product line to save the company and you go out and you hire 100 salespersons and then you come to find out that 82 of them have absolutely zero sales experience. Are you excited about that new product now? How would you feel if you were a football coach and you had 100 football players, but 82 of them had never played football before. Would you be excited about your prospects that year? Or would you say, it's a building year? (laughs) I mean, you get the idea here, right? 82% of God's church is unprepared ill-equipped, ignorant, and not of any use when it comes to spiritual things. Come on, man. I mean, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Is this a church? We have 82% unprepared, ignorant, ill-equipped, not ready for any kind of warfare whatsoever. You know what's even more disturbing about this statistic is they found that 20% of those people have never even opened a Bible. You think at least the other 82 have at least kind of glanced at it, read at least John 3.16, but 23% of those, they have never, ever once read the Bible. That's pretty scary. Well, thank God it's never too late, right? As long as you're breathing, you can learn. So we're going to end the ignorance today, at least hopefully in our church. (laughs) Can't account for everybody else. I want to share with you four things, four things that I believe will help you in your study of the Bible, and I think some practical things as well. So I'll give you kind of the background for it, and then some practical helps that you can go home with and actually put into practice immediately and have it work for you. So first, number one is this. Godliness comes from studying the Word of God daily. You want to become godly? Yes. Does God want you to become godly? Yes. He said... Discipline yourself for godliness. Okay, what do I do? This is what you do. Study the Bible every single day. Studying God's word produces godliness. It causes, the Bible confronts you. It confronts your character. And as you read, you see God's thoughts and God's ways and God's character. You know God. And the closer you know God, the more you know of him, the closer you come to him, to believe those principles and live them out in your life. And if you don't know what they are, you can't live them out. And so, godliness comes from studying the Word of God every single day. And it's, it's important to remember, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. Studying the Word of God, you know, you just can't say, well, I'm going to give it two weeks and then I'll be like Jesus. It doesn't work that way. It's more like a marathon, Okay. You're in this for the long haul. Think of it like this. I'm going to study the Bible for the rest of my life. Is there anything else that you put that much into? You certainly don't want to be working for the rest of your life. Right? So you'll be studying the Word of God for the rest of your life. And it is a marathon. We're always learning new things. John 15, 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. What an amazing statement. This is Jesus. He's speaking to his disciples and he says, listen, guys, I'm about to leave. I'm about, this is about over here, okay? I'm going to go. I want you to know this. My father is looking at you and he's looking for fruit, fruitfulness. And did he say a little? Did he say some? 
Did he say as much as you can? No, he didn't say any of that. He said, I expect much fruit from my disciples. God expects you to bear a lot of fruit. Are you bearing a lot of fruit? Because if so, then it proves that you are his disciples. See, it proves to be my disciples, those who bear much fruit. Not some fruit, not a little fruit, but much fruit. Look at verse 5 of that same chapter. How do we bear fruit? He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So in my Christian walk, if I'm going to go it alone, if I'm going to ignore the Bible, then I cannot grow. And what's even more true is I can't produce fruit. Because I have to be intertwined and connected with the Lord to be able to grow and to bear fruit. And the way I do that is through his word. That's what he's given to us to know who he is, what he's about, what he's like. God expects you to be growing spiritually. So let me ask you, are you? Are you growing spiritually Are you producing fruit for the kingdom of God? He expects it. And it is impossible to grow and to bear fruit without being in the word of God daily. Every single day, studying the Bible. Bible study produces godliness. Godliness produces good fruit. A problem that we have in our church, I'll talk about anybody else. In our church, the problem we have is we have way too many unuseful Christians. More than half of the Christians are not of any use. Not good for anything. I mean, God cannot use you. He can't put you in a situation where you're going to go out and share your faith or tell somebody about the Christ because the minute they start asking questions, you're going to really mess it up. Something like, um, well, uh, Moses parted the Red Sea just after he got off of the ark, and Adam and Eve uh, ate an apple in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus was on Mount Carmel. God's not going to do that to them. He's not going to do that to you. You are of no use. You don't know anything. You get hired at Boeing. You need a job. They're hiring. You get the job. You know nothing about airplanes. But they hired you. Mistake in the system. You got hired. Are they going to bring you over to these very complex airplane engines and say, all right, bud, let's see what you got? No. No way. People die if you get it wrong. They're going to let you go near that thing. Don't touch it. Go make us coffee. You are of no use. Why did we hire you? You are of no use. You're a freeloader. Ooh. You know what a freeloader is? Teenager. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord, forgive me. I didn't mean that. Um, Every now and then my sin comes out and you get to see it. But... A freeloader is somebody who sits idly by while everyone else works. And I don't know about your family, but in my family, we don't allow that. We don't allow that. If the family is working to clean the house or do whatever, and you're sitting there playing video games, we're going to allow that for about 13 seconds. 
and then you better move or you are going to feel pain. <laughs> right? Nobody sits around doing nothing. Hey, everybody does their part. Are you better than the rest of us? You get to sit there and just loaf it up while the rest of us are killing ourselves? No, that's not right. You're a part of the family. Get to work. Is this not the family of God? Is this not God's house and God's people and his children? It is. How do we become godly? By studying the word of God every single day. Number two, daily Bible study equips you for ministry. It makes you useful. Imagine that same scenario with the Boeing job. They hire you. They look at the engine. They say, here's the engine. And you have spent the last six years of your life studying those engines intimately, inside and out. And then they say to you, here it is, go to work. And you go to work. And you do in two hours what they couldn't do in six hours. And they are blown away at how productive you are. And studying the word of God makes you a productive Christian. You're able to mentor people. You know, there's, a, there's, a wonder, there's so many wonderful people in our church. I just love our church. I love our church. I love being here. I hate it when I miss. And so many great people. One of, one of, my, one of my admirers, I admire this guy so much, is, is Jim Matan. Oh, and he's in the back, so he's going to hate this that I'm saying this. But anyway, forgive me later, Jim. Jim, you know, worked in the, in the business world, then retired, and then immediately went to work in the church. Started a, a ministry, runs that ministry, and spends all of his time running that ministry and mentoring younger men in the faith. Seventy-some years old and highly productive spiritually. That's an example to all of us. That's how we should be. And there are others. He's not the only one, but, but he stands out in my mind. Why would God use you? How can he use you? How can he expect to use you if you don't know anything? If you don't know what you're talking about? You're an ill-equipped soldier. You're a Christian that has no idea what being a Christian means or what it's about. And there is only one way to change that. I have this pill I'm going to sell you later. It's for $1,000. Or a handkerchief that's been blessed by the Pope. Cost you $5,000. Yeah, right. That's, there is nothing. The only way to get that is through Daily Bible study of God's word. You have to discipline yourself to do the work. That's the only way you get it. I can't impute it to you. I can't pray it over you. I can't wish it into you. The only way you can get it is if you do it. You have got to do it. If you don't do it, guess what? It'll never get done. I keep saying this word daily. Have you caught that? Daily. I've said it a lot. Daily. Daily, daily. Why do I say that? Because that's the biblical pattern. The biblical pattern is daily. Do you know that when manna came down from heaven, right, in the wilderness, the nation of Israel's in the wilderness, they'd left Egypt, manna would come out of heaven, would show up every morning. And God said, when this first happened, God said, listen, tell everyone they're not to collect it. And save it in jars. Only take what you can consume for that day. And so what did they do? They collected it all and put it in jars. And the next morning it was all rotten. God was saying, hey, I want you to come to me daily. Because I know you, you're a human. That's the first thing you're going to do is try and store it up. So why? You can take it easy next day. Won't have to collect manna. Don't have to be disciplined. Don't have to do the work. There is no such thing. Have you noticed how fast your spiritual energy leaves? 
Have you noticed that? Just bring a two-year-old around you for a few hours. It's amazing how quickly your godliness goes out. I'm serious. And so it's a daily problem. Jesus said that he was the manna from heaven. He said he is the bread of life. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, ask for your daily bread. Daily bread. In Luke 9, 23, most, one of the most shocking, shocking statements that Jesus made about being a follower of Christ is he said, if you want to really be my disciple, take up your cross daily and follow me. So daily is the biblical pattern. Every single day. You mean even on vacation? But everybody's getting up and putting on their swimsuits and they're going out to the pool. Really? Mm-hmm. Daily. Every single day. Doesn't matter what that day is. Every single day. Saturday? Saturday? Sunday? I go to church on Sunday. Sunday. Every single day day you're in you're studying the word of god and you're slowly becoming more and more godly second timothy 2:15 work hard work hard so you can present yourself to god and receive his approval be a good worker one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth Did you know that God expects you to correctly explain the word of truth? You? Me? You? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Uh-oh, he's in trouble. (laughs) Daily Bible study is the only way you are going to be useful to God in his kingdom. God expects much fruit. He expects godliness. Expects you to be effective. How effective has your Christian witness been this past month? Are you producing a lot of spiritual fruit? Are your children becoming more and more like God each day? Is your marriage becoming more and more as God would have it be? If not, then we know an answer to those problems. It's getting into the word of God every single day. And it's not an easy, immediate, quick fix. You know, like I said, two weeks and I got the greatest marriage on earth. Two weeks and I got the greatest workforce. No, it's, it's a marathon. But over time, you will see progress. You'll see fruit. More than you ever imagined. Number three, daily Bible study protects you from error. Do you realize that there is more error, theological error and heresy and craziness today than there ever has been? Ever. I mean, in all of history, right now is the greatest movement of false doctrine and lies than ever before. Have you ever met somebody who's so heavenly-minded they're no earthly good? Right? You know kind of people like that? They're just so spiritual. Right? Well, that's not what God's looking for. God's not looking for you to appear spiritual. He's not interested in how you appear. He's interested in much fruit and the fruit of godliness. When someone comes across like they are spiritual, you can immediately know they are not in the word. They are not reading the Bible. They are not studying the Bible. They don't understand what's going on here because Jesus was exactly the opposite of that. 
He wasn't about showing some image. In fact, he cursed the Pharisees for doing that. Why are you doing it? You don't know the word. <laughs> this woman, this super spiritual, useless woman, said to my wife one time, Oh, I disagree with the Apostle Paul. I don't like the Apostle Paul. He's arrogant. Are you kidding me? Perhaps the greatest Christian that ever lived, and you've got one up on him? Give me a break. Ignorant lady. There is more heresy floating around today on the internet than there ever has been. And the only way to protect yourself from that is for you yourself to be in the word of God every single day. Studying. And then the last one, number four. Daily Bible study protects you from evil. Ephesians 6, 11 through 12. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Notice verse 17. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. So in all the armor, there's only one weapon, it's the sword, and it's the Bible. It's the word of God. This is our only defense against the devil, is the word. It's the only thing that works. When Jesus encountered the devil in the wilderness, he defeated him with the word of God. A couple years ago, I had back surgery, and this was when I really I was going to a, a terrible doctor, <laughs> long story anyway, uh, and I didn't understand fibromyalgia syndrome the way I do now, and I didn't know that if you go and have surgery, it's going to cause a massive spike. So I didn't say anything, because I didn't know, I was ignorant, and so I get the surgery, and then you know, the next day, in the middle of the night... I have got this pain that is just through the roof. And there is no amount of pills that can take this away. You know, I, Joy was asleep. Kids were asleep. I felt utterly, utterly alone. And then all these thoughts just, just blast my brain. Uh, God's abandoned you. God doesn't love you. Look, you're going to be disabled for the rest of your life. God has left you. You should take all of those pills right now and end your life. You're of no worth to God now. You're damaged. Kill yourself. And I heard that all night long. And I didn't feel the presence of God. I didn't feel God anywhere. And I was crying out and saying, oh, God, don't leave me. Help me, please. I'm dying here. Please help me. The next morning, I talked to Joy. I told her about it. And I asked her to read the Bible to me. And so she'd sit on the bed and she'd just read verses. And it's the only thing that brought me out of it. I eventually came out of that and, and was all right. But it was the word. It was the only thing that would keep me sane. Keep me enough to, to keep serving God and trusting him. It was his word. If you don't study the word of God daily, then you're a sitting duck for the enemy. You are. You're open season, man. No wonder you're depressed. No wonder you're discouraged and defeated and burned out. No wonder things aren't going right, not going your way. You feel powerless over temptation. No wonder you're losing all of these battles because you just can't fight back. You have no idea what to do. Depression comes in like a flood, and you just accept it. It overcomes you and destroys you and your family. And really, there is something you can do about it. So, 
let's get into some practical stuff, okay? Just a little bit of practical teaching. These four things, I think, lay enough of a foundation for us to realize we can't live without the Word of God. We can't be Christians without it. We can't be effective without it. We can't produce fruit without it. And we can't overcome the devil without it. We can't produce godliness apart from the word of God. So we have all of that established now. Let's get into some practical things. Now, I, I, have, <clears throat> for, um, I, have tried, I have tried every kind of prayer there is. This is where you get to see what this set means. I've tried um, praying at work, lunchtime, you know? I'm going to take my lunch, and I'm going to go off, and I'll get my lunch, and I'm going to pray. That's my lunchtime, pray. Tried that. That didn't work. Tried uh, uh, praying at night before bed. So I'm going to get in my bed. I'm gonna, before I fall asleep, I'm going to read the Bible a little bit, study and pray. That didn't work. <laughs> so what happened was I was forced into doing it in the morning. And it's a whole other story as to why that happened. But that's how it came about. And God, I think God just orchestrated that. So I was forced into doing this in the morning. And I have found that that works. Studying the Bible early in the morning and prayer works. There's something about giving your first fruit of your day to God that makes a difference. There's something about how you do it in the morning and then you feel prepared for the day. You feel like an overcomer, not a defeated person. And so I believe early in the morning, first thing is how God wants it to be. Now you try whatever you've got and eventually you'll agree with me. <laughs> one, one person said to me, he said, I tried early in the morning. I got up real early. It's like five in the morning. And uh, I said, well, what, tell me what you did. He says, well... I got on the couch, and what did you do? He says, well, I put my feet up and had my cup of coffee, and I just couldn't stay awake. I just always dozed off, and it became useless. Well, maybe there's a problem with how you're doing that. Maybe that's not God's fault, right? Some people say, well, I, I, don't, have any, I don't have anywhere to pray. Where, where am I going to pray? I, I, well... How about your living room? Well, that, that doesn't work. There's people in there. Try this. So you got a couple teenagers in there doing their Pokemon, whatever. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> That's okay. I don't care. Um, and whatever. And they're in there. You just go in. You sit down right in the middle of all of it. Get out your Bible. Start praying. That room will clear like that. It's amazing. <laughs> Everybody goes. Okay? When I do it, Zoe's the only one. She, Zoe's my prayer partner. She's two years old, about 40 pounds. She sits right here, and we pray together. If you have little children at home still, fine. Let them, give them a couple of toys. Let them be on the floor there in front of you while you get your stuff out and pray. You've got to have the right tools. The Bible doesn't say pray with your eyes closed and your hands folded uh, kneeling. Okay, that is just one way to pray, but it's usually ineffective. Okay, so I pray with my eyes open, usually, or closed, or open. If I have them closed and I'm tending to sleep, then I keep them open. I got a notepad with me here. I got a pen. I have my Bible. I like to use my iPad because I can look up stuff. Okay, so you got your phone or your iPad or whatever. You got to have the right tools for Bible study and prayer. So I get out my tools here. Maybe you have a couple commentaries or other things there. And you pray and you say, Lord, help me understand your word. Help me understand the Bible. I don't understand it. Please help me. And then he does. He answers that prayer and he helps you. And then you start, start reading. And I think you should do it like this. Start with the New Testament and the New Testament and the Old Testament have to be read differently, okay? The way you read the New Testament is you start with a little book, like, like start with Peter or 1 John or Jude or something like that. Start with a little book, 
And you read it through the whole book in one sitting. It's like three or four chapters, right? It's all it is. You read the whole book. And then you pray. And I use the Lord's Prayer. We'll get into that next week. But uh, you just read that. And then the next day, you do the exact same thing. And the next day, and the next day. So for 30 days, you read the same three chapters over and over and over. And this is why. Because repetition helps you retain what you're reading. Have you found, and I, this happened to me for years and years, that you would read the Bible and then you completely forget what you just read? And then you go back and you read it over again and then you forget that again. And you think, I'm spending all of my time on ignorance here. This isn't working. <laughs> it's repetition that helps you memorize it. Remember, it's a marathon. So if you do that every single day for 30 days, I guarantee you at the end of those 30 days, you're going to know what's in that little book. So then you move to a big one. Move over to Matthew. Matthew's, what, 22 chapters. And then you start and you read, you read four, four or five chapters of Matthew. Read the same chapters every day for 30 days. Then move to the next four or five chapters, six, seven. Everything, every 30 days. Did you know if you followed that format, and then after you finish Matthew, you go back to another little book again. If you follow that format, in two and a half years, you will have read the entire New Testament, and you will know everything that's there. Isn't that amazing? In two and a half years, you will be fully equipped to handle any question from the New Testament. Well, where is this? Oh, there it is. What about this? Oh, here it is. What about that? Oh, it's here. And it's also confirmed in the Old Testament. Don't know here. You will know what you're talking... You will know what Jesus is about. You'll know what his principles are, his values, what he thinks. You will know God. Now, the Old Testament, you read differently. Old Testament, you start in Genesis and just read through. Read it through once, not in one day. It's, it's really long. It's a lot longer than the New Testament. But that is, uh, it's a collection of writings. You have poetry, you have history and narrative, all different kinds of literature in there. So it's best to just read that once through, then go back, start at the beginning and read through it again. Just read it that way. New Testament, though, you do it repetitive over and over and over and over and over. And then what you find, what happens is... You're in a conversation with somebody at work or what have you, and they're talking about, oh, I just, I'm such a wretch. I'm such a bad person. I mean, I've done bad things. You, you don't know what bad stuff I've done. There's no way God could forgive me. And you would say, you know what? The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we are able to confess our sins to God, then he is willing to forgive us of all of our sins and completely cleanse us from unrighteousness. God promises that. Really? I didn't know that was in there. Yes, it's in 1 John. Let me show you. Now, isn't that far more effective than, oh, yes, he will. No, he won't. Yes, he will. No, he won't. Yes, he will. No, he won't. Right? So it's practical. It's helpful. Let me get back to my notes here. There are 17 different ways to meditate. Uh, Donald Whitley wrote this great book on the disciplines. And all of these are in that book. And so Joy and I are going to do a, a teaching this, sometime this summer, teaching you those 17 methods of meditation. Because that's so important to meditate on the Word of God. You know, Psalms 1 says that if we meditate on the word, on God's word, that we will bear godly fruit in each season of life. God will help us to bear fruit. So it's, it's all there. You just have to do it. So here's the biggest question of the day. This is it right here. This is the big question of the day. When are you going to start? (laughs) 
Are you going to start today? Are you going to procrastinate? You start tomorrow? I did not ask you if you're going to do this. Because I expect this. And so does God. And frankly, his expectation is far more serious than mine. But in my heart is a goal. It's a goal I set before the Lord. I said, Lord, I'd love to see 50% of our church reading and studying their Bible and praying every single day. 50%. We're at about 18 right now. I'd like to see 50. And just think. Just think what that will do to our church. Think of all the opportunities that will open up for new ministry. Because once you get into the Word and you get excited about it and God's doing things in your life, He'll say, hey, I want you to go minister to this person or here's this ministry over here. God can use you now because you're effective. You've got something to say. You're usable. Think of all the new ministries. Think of all the missionaries that are just waiting to be called because the word is getting in your heart and you're getting that spark and that fire and you read Matthew 28 and you get excited about the Great Commission and you want to go and be a missionary. I mean, it's exciting to think what God could do in our church and in our community if we would just do what's expected. The minimum. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm doing what I'm telling you to do. This is not, and my wife's shaking her head. She said, yes, it's true. Every single morning, I get up early in the morning, go out into the living room, and I read and pray, sometimes for hours. The shortest is about 30 minutes. Usually an hour or more. And I'm not bragging. I'm not just, you know, oh, look how spiritual I am. <laughs> because that's expected. Right? That's not some big achievement. That's normal. Joy does the same thing. She has got far more discipline than I do. Oh, my goodness. She runs circles around me. She gets up at 4.30 so she can spend an hour with the Lord, then get herself ready, then get the kids up, make them breakfast, then go to work. She has four boys and a husband. And if she can do it, certainly you can. You can. You can find a way. Every day, get alone with the Lord and become godly. So my question is, when are you going to start? Why don't you write your answer on a piece of paper? Somewhere. Put a little pressure on you. Write your answer. I'm going to start such and such. Go ahead. Just grab a piece of paper. Write it down. And if you're not going to start, then just pretend like you're writing something. (laughs) And God will know. But I say that to push you a little bit. I love you. I believe the Lord will do amazing things in our church when his people are fully equipped. There will be no shortage of ministries, no shortage of opportunities, and no shortage of people to serve. When we call for service, people be jumping at the chance. And I really hope that you'll take this Saturday to spend time with us. We would like no less than 30 this Saturday night. Just take one, you know, Saturday night's your fun night. Just take one of those, give it to God this Saturday, offer it to him as a gift. There'll be foot washing, communion, prayer, worship, fellowship. It's a great evening. So so put that on your calendar. Be here this Saturday night and let's really press in and seek the Lord.
And let's, uh, let's, we need to wrap this up. Uh, children's ministry is going to kill me. All right, so let's pray. Let's go to the Lord and, and let's ask God to forgive us. Lord, first of all, thank you for your word. It brings life and wisdom and hope. And forgive us, God, for ignoring it. It's hard to imagine that we do that, Lord. It's, it's so disgusting that we ignore the Bible. It's just... Forgive us, Lord. And give us the courage and the strength to get started today and to never stop and to keep going day after day after day and never stop. And I pray, Father, that you would meet them there in their quiet place. You would bless them with yourself. Show them, Lord, who you are and your great love. Transform them into effective, fruit-producing soldiers for God's kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.